All right, Lara Jackson, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, I'm honored to have been asked to come on. So thank you for that opportunity. Well, listen, you earned your way on here. You're one of the best swimmers in history. You're in the Hall of Fame for, is it Arizona um, Swimming Hall of Fame? Yeah, the Arizona Athletics. Yes, Arizona Athletics. So, I mean, once you get to that status, girl, you, you, you know, I have to beg you to come on these things. <laughs> Uh, listen, you've got a great story, a super interesting story, um, and one that needs to be shared. And I think one, a lot of people can relate to, um, so we're going to go through it in detail, but you're just telling me something happened on the weekend. It was a great story. I want to, I want to record it. What happened? Um, so I was riding my horse Calypso mm -hmm. and, um, it was a great ride. She was being good. Um, We've been together since I was 16, so, you know, not too worried about things, but we were riding by the park, and um, this guy was doing a workout um, on the soccer fields with those parachutes that you wear on your back, and you mm. run, and it, you know, it gets really big, and it goes really high, and we were just riding by when he took off and scared her, so she just took off with me, and we were running and um, it's a walking path. So thank goodness there weren't too many people on there, but she was going for a little good while before I could get her started or stopped. But um, to do that, you kind of try to pull their head around. And so she's going kind of to the right and she ran me into a, a low branch and I got impaled and mm. probably broke my collarbone. So. Oh gosh. <laughs> impaled sounds like it like went through the skin did it yeah well it didn't go through the shoulder but it was a mesquite tree so there's like this gash oh. that goes down it's a small hole but it goes down in wow. so wow. even when you're not swimming you get shoulder pains <laughs> God. i don't know much about horses but i mean you've been with calypso for many years like you said but even still they they get spooked and can just take off like that um yeah, I mean, they are animals that are prey. So just instinctually, they, you know, they're always kind of, if they're not, you know, at home or where they feel real comfortable, um, they can, they're always just paying attention to their surroundings. And, you know, anything could be something hunting them, trying to get them in their mind, even though they've been domesticated. But, you know, that's how they survive in the wild is they, are on alert fight or flight and with horses mm. you know flight's a lot better for them yeah well so you got the arizona shirt on now you've come you come full circle uh, back to your roots in terms of your coaching there now um what's that experience like to be a coach back at a place where you swam um it's a dream come true i uh you know when i left arizona i was ready to kind of do something different. I had been there a while, but obviously had some of the best years of my life there. Mm. Um, kind of went all over the place and tried different things and had a lot of fun doing it. But I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just you get to a certain age and you kind of are looking for something a little more familiar. And I had the last place I'd ever felt like was home was Tucson. And I never found that anywhere else. And mm. um so about maybe three or four years ago, I kind of was starting thinking, you know, I would 
really love to end up back in Tucson. I just, it's so much, it's the university, it's the program that I swam for, it's the city, um, it's the people, it's, it's just everything. Um, very special place. And so coming back, it's like exactly the same, but so different. So it's kind of hard not to reminisce and remember uh, back when I was on the team, but um, it's been great. This crew has been so accepting and um, welcoming to me. You know, there are some coach transition nightmare stories, and I just feel really lucky that, you know, I didn't really have to deal with a lot of pushback and, it's been so much fun and I really feel like the team's already evolved so much in a year. So it's been great. Yeah, that's cool for them. It's cool for you. There's, there's really no place like home. I've been getting super kind of homesick lately. I, I mean, I guess through the pandemic, you know, like just stuck in, in a house all day long. Like I definitely missed Australia, but then, um, you know, with some of the things that were going on back there and the way that they were treating the pandemic, I didn't miss it too much, but um, they, they took a different approach. But, you know, I definitely miss family and friends. And so it's it's good for you to be back in a place that's very familiar to you. Um, like I said, you have a very unique story, very interesting story. You, you go on to win nine NCAA titles, which is something that you and I have in common, by the way. We both won nine NCAA titles. Um, but you, you want a couple of, um, individual 50 freestyles. So you're, you're up on me on that one, but, um, well, you, you had to go to the Olympics. So there I, we did, go. I did, I did, I <laughs> did. We're going to, we're going to talk about your experience with that in a second, but, um, very successful collegiately for sure. But the, the interesting part of your story is that you were a walk-on and, and I think this is where, um, a lot of kids can relate because as, as a head coach, I had a lot of you know, kids come to me and say, hey, Brett, I want to swim at Auburn. I want to be part of your team. I want to be part of your history. And, um, you know, at the time, a lot of them just weren't, I, I felt, weren't ready for it. And so you kind of have to take a chance sometimes of like, should I give this kid a chance? And that's what happened with you at Arizona. And it turned out that you go on to have all this incredible success. But there, there's so many factors that go into that from, from the moment you go on as a walk-on to the moment you have success and and that's kind of what i want to you know um play out here is like how did that happen how were you able to have that ultimate success wow that's kind of um, a loaded question um i uh it is hard you know especially being in the coaching seat now not that i have to make the hard decisions thank goodness uh but you know taking risks on people i mm -hmm. think for me personally um i had a fantastic club coach um right stanton the third swam under fort bliss barracudas back in the day and he was just you know even now they do less but i would say i didn't really swim a lot of yardage mm -hmm. but he was all about technique and um he did a lot of research on the latest you know developments coming out in the sport and he would change our strokes not just one stroke not just one aspect of the stroke but basically all of our strokes every year just kind of evolving them and he would you know for a club he was like really creative getting out bands and you know, different toys to make mm. us feel different things. So through my high school years and middle school, he made me 
very aware of my body and what it was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, like what they used to say is, you know, you got to be your own best coach. And that's so true. There's so much that, you know, a coach can't see and that you're feeling that you have to be in tune with, which I really feel is the difference between just good athletes and great ones. So from a young age, kind of being educated instead of just throwing lots of garbage yardage at, um, making me a student of the sport, um, and just also keeping me back. He didn't train me so much that I got fed up of it, Mm -hmm. um, that I wanted to quit or was burnt out. And, you know, he left room to grow still when I did turn 18 or when I could start lifting weights. You know, I wasn't maxed out, but he just put all the basics on me perfectly so that I could fill out and get stronger and just keep going. Okay, let let me ask you a question on that then, because that's interesting and and we can kind of use this as a platform to ask more questions. So in terms of just that, when when a a young coach is listening to this or a high school coach, when you say I wasn't, you know, burnt out, so you hadn't lifted weights at this stage, right? No. Okay. And then how many workouts a week are you doing? Um, well, (laughs) I was kind of, um, not the most reliable in in high school. I would skip some practices until like, you know, it it got serious. Kind of tease me about it now because I'm so intense. But uh, I would say when I was into it, I would do five or six practices a week. But probably first semester would be like four or five. Okay. All right. That's interesting. So that's great too, because I want to get to this is like, all right, you're doing four or five practices a week. You're, you're skipping, but now you're asking to go to a program like Arizona, who's held at a very high standard. They're one of the best in the, in the country. They got some of the best coaches and they're asking you to turn up to every workout and be productive. So like there's, there's risk here. When you, when you come to Arizona and say, I want to swim, and then they find out that you're skipping practices and you want to walk onto the team. There's an element of risk with that. And you know that now that you're recruiting athletes, you're like, well, why would I take a chance on somebody that's not even bothering to turn up to high school practice, you know? Yeah, totally. It's kind of like, uh, do as I say, not as I do now that I'm a coach, (laughs) but, um, it's so, I think what my strength was, was my mental side. And um, I think they saw some good, really good habits in my stroke. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes you're analyzing video Mm -hmm. and you're like, how did that swimmer go that fast on that stroke? Um, But they saw potential in that. And just, uh, I don't know, I had done really well at state. I don't know if they knew about my practice habits, but, I actually, I I have to give a shout out here. I got the opportunity to go to Arizona because, um, well, one, you know, walk on, I just came. It was no like free to them a little bit. Um, But Greg Rodenbaugh, Mm -hmm. um, who recruited me, recruited me. um, He swam with a friend of my dad's, um, Mark Tomlin. Mm -hmm. And Mark was like, hey, you guys should check this girl out. Um, so I did kind of have a connection, but, um, you know, I, I knew 
what I was like in college, you know, I, I feel like a lot of high school people, they're like, they can get away with just their talent. But um, in college, I kind of was like, I'm either going to not swim at all, or I'm going to be all in because it was like the next step, you know, it was time to grow up and evolve. So personally, I had gone in there, made that decision on the inside. It was way easier to make to say than to do. There was a lot of crying my first year uh, being overwhelmed. But I, you know, once I got a taste at PAX of how fun this is on a team, I was addicted. And it was it's interesting. Yeah. That, that, you know, it can be super overwhelming that first semester. It's like you come in and all of a sudden you are in the weight room. You're you're at all the practices. I mean, you're around people that are way better than you. You've got coaches that are super motivated and driving and you're and then you're going to school and balancing all that. And, and then you're trying to figure out a social life as a freshman. It's just like very overwhelming. Destro swim towers gain strength in the water with a tower of power save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, -T, at checkout. DestroMachines.com. Vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over 30 years. Vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch. Add a few Vasa trainers to your pool deck and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool. Go to VasaTrainer.com, use code BREAD at checkout, and get 10% off anything from Vasa. So um, what, what were the things that were a struggle for you at that point? I would just say the, the sheer workload. Right. It went from not even, like, not even swimming six days a week most of the time to nine swim practices, three lifts, yeah. dry land. Um, so my body took a long time to adapt. I, I don't, I think I was just tired my whole freshman year. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, the way that the team kind of brought people in, like they never, they never treated me like I was a walk on or that I wasn't going to make it. Um, having the, just that kind of support, you know, I was always the last one on the run and everybody's there cheering for you in, um, mm -hmm. just how invested everyone was in each other, it made you want to be part of it. So even if I was struggling, I would rather be dying and become part of this group than be like, I can't do this. Yeah. You had some uh, superstar athletes on the team at the, at the time. So who were some of the girls that you were looking up to your freshman year that kind of, um, you know, took you under their wing? Um, so... In particular, we did what was called, I think they do like big sister, little sister, they call it like this, but we call them cubby buddies. Mm -hmm. And so my cubby buddy was Marshy Smith. She was the, I believe, 2,500 back NCAA champion, mm -hmm. um, which was surprising that they put me with her because, you know, you think they would pair her off. She was such a stud with a higher ranking, I guess, freshman, but she just taught me how to be a badass. She had this badass attitude and was fun about it. And she really, you know, was like there for me. And we, we were both the worst runners and, you know, we both got better just kind of feeding off of each other's energy. And she, 
she really was a role model to me, probably the one I looked up to the most my freshman year. But of course you have Whitney Myers on that team. Um, you have, you know, Lacey Nymeyer, uh, mm. just no shortage of ladies to look up to who were strong, strong and also team people, team players. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Um, so you get through your freshman year and, and learn a lot. Uh, you Things start to click, I guess, kind of sophomore year for you and then and beyond. I mean, you start to have real success. I guess the time of when I notice you is when you're really good, you know, and uh, all of a sudden you're the, the fastest swimmer in NCAA history. And that's when you kind of go on everybody's radar. I, I just remember standing on the side of the pool and thinking, and you and you think this now, I'm sure you see girls swim, you know, there's some girls swimming 20, 20.9 now, you know, it's just ridiculous how fast it's gotten, but it's like, you see swims like that now and you're like, oh, wow, that, that girl's so much better than everybody else. So when I was watching you at the time, I'm thinking that to myself, there's obviously tons of work that's gone into this, but, um, you were just so good and, and you carried yourself um, with, with an extreme amount of confidence. What are the things that you were doing in the pool, in, in the practice pool that was helping you get to that meet and walk around with that type of confidence? Um, I, uh, well, definitely, you know, even before I kind of had a breakout swim, just having, Rick DeMont, you know, mm -hmm. he really believed in me and, uh, you know, kind of was like, yeah, you can be that girl. You can be that girl on, on the top of the podium and, you know, just kind of planting seeds even mm -hmm. before it was happening. But I think he knew something was coming. So kind of having and that belief pumped into you as well as, you know, you know, my parents, but parents always tell you you're the best, but no. you know, you do need that too, no matter what, like, I think having that support system behind you and then just the detail work that I had done through high school, carrying it, evolving it with, you know, Rocket, who's probably, you know, in my eyes, you know, one of the best sprint coaches they'll ever be. Yeah. Um, so having his mad genius behind me, um, his workouts, he did a really good job of getting us to a strong place of, of sprinting and finishing a sprint like a sprint. Um, you know, I had never really seen this kind of training, I guess, you know, kind of broken efforts or repeat fast efforts, what I like to call, you know, like kind of that sprint endurance. I never really done anything like that. And I think I really thrived under that kind of training. Mm. Um, I, I was really explosive. So anything that got kind of longer, I would fall off the stroke that I wanted to kind of have throughout a real, a real race. So, mm. um, and he made it interesting. So, um, yeah, and I did a lot of growing up. So, you know, that mentality of, and seeing it as a coach too is, uh, you know, just kind of, looking at yourself realistically you know when we're young it's kind of hard to do that but if you want to be the best you want to you know have those kind of goals then you also kind of have to look at what you're doing that hurts yourself or how you hold yourself back mentally mentally or with your habits and and kind of reworking that too which you know really i think 
combination of all those things helps all of that take yeah. off. Yeah. You had one of the most deadly starts in the world. I mean, it was a weapon of yours. You were super athletic. You got off the block well, uh, athletically. Um, I mean, you just set up really well. And then your entry and your, and your underwaters through your breakouts were just um, out of this world at the time. So how much of that, when you look back now and now you're a coach, I mean, a lot of that is kind of genetics for you because you, you mean, you had a, a crazy big vertical jump. You could do certain things athletically, but then you also want to help other people improve their start. So is it frustrating for you because you were so good at that aspect of it that you see other people? Is it, is it hard to translate that athleticism sometimes? Um, yeah, the dive is a tricky thing. Um, I do think there are athletes that got hops and some that don't. Um, I mean, working with athletes on their dives now, um, not everyone, like you said, can can jump like that or, mm -hmm. you know, not everyone's flexible enough to get into certain positions, which I always tell them, like, you guys can fix that. But there's so many different, like, body types and mm -hmm. ways that they move that I don't think one dive can fit all. And I don't think, I think everybody can learn to have a better dive. I don't think everyone can be like the best diver, if that makes right. sense. It right. is, it's yep. genetics, you know, natural ability def definitely plays into it, but not to get into a whole dive breakdown, but I think by using kind of the momentum and snap of your upper body, no matter how good of a jumper you are, you can kind of get some height, you know, more height than what you might get, you know, really kind of carrying you up, mm -hmm. mix, you know, with the back leg kick up and get a good angle flying. I find most people don't really try to fly. They're just trying to get in a good line and hit the water and they kind of just go straight in. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's, athlete by athlete just trying to give them the best of what they can work with that's really all you can do yeah the dive is a frustrating part of the equation because it looks so simple and especially when you see someone like you do it you break down video you're like oh look how easy that looks but it's just a it's a fluid athletic movement that's really difficult to teach and change i think the dive is the hardest aspect of anybody to change because they have certain patterns that are just um, bred into them that are, that are extremely difficult to change um, the other thing about the Arizona Sprinters at the time, you guys were fairly revolutionary across the board, and this a lot to do with Rick DeMont, like you said, Rocket, the way he was coaching you guys. Um, you, you were swimming with a style that was um, kind of cutting edge and on the forefront of freestyle, right? Very uh, open stroke, maybe even straight arm type work, but very open, very big. When you look at freestyle now, and, and especially when I'm thinking about breaststroke, you know, like how breaststroke has evolved in the last 10, 15 years, do you think of freestyle like, what can we do next? How can we, how can we go faster? Like, is this, is this some major change we need to make? Oh, man. That's a tough um, one, man. I mean, I guess I've never really thought about it like, what's next um you need to I'm start more... thinking that way girl okay start thinking because when i watched you that's what i thought i'm like that's next like that's the future when i watched you swim i'm like that's the future of freestyle and so now i'm putting it back on you as somebody that 
changed the way women swim. You did look back. You changed the way women were swimming. And it might've been a group of you, but you were part of it. And now we have to figure out, all right, how are we going to get girls to go 20.3, 20.2? Well, what are your ideas? My ideas are to challenge you because you're coaching. I don't um, listen. I don't know. It's difficult. You're right. It's it's so difficult. I'm like, all right, how do we go faster? But that's something that I often think. I think so. I don't think we can come up with it with well, maybe some people can, but kind of the way my brain works is I love watching a lot of video, um, kind of seeing tendencies in strokes. Um, for simple example, you know there's a lot of pressing on the front end of a stroke. Like a straight arm freestyler is probably gonna get a lot of press in that beginning part, you know? So I think it'll happen like one little aspect of a stroke and then it'll make a chain reaction, you know? Mm -hmm. So right now, personally, what I've been working on with my athletes, not that it's groundbreaking, is just kind of getting on that deeper water quick not you know getting a press up front i don't know just and maybe throughout exploring that or seeing different people swimming something will just click with a coach somewhere and a new idea would be born but i mean i don't know you get as much water and throw it as quickly as possible i think that's gonna that's the name of the game right yeah yeah i mean i love watching sprinters is there any is there any female in the ncaa right now who you're impressed with um that is doing some things in sprint that is kind of next level i mean just like you said just people going 20 point yeah. i i'm just blown away it seems um, like an everyday occurrence now like girls are going 21 flats like it's nobody's business and i'm like that used to be so quick you know what impresses me? I mean, the quicker are getting quicker, but the depth, mm -hmm. you know, like you go to 20, like just the amount of people going even 21, like it's everybody now. It used to be just top two or three mm -hmm. at NCs. Right. So it's like if you have a space of like, let's say like 21.5 to 21.9, there could be. 40 athletes in there, you know, like not yet, but it's just packing in so dense. Mm -hmm. Everyone's getting competitive. You know, there's not, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I'll ask you this and I'm going to, I'm going to make you dig deep on this one. So you're trying to swim faster than anybody in history. And you, you end up accomplishing that a couple of times, right? You set some American records, you set some NCAA records. So before those things happened, how do you look at it? How do you think to yourself, I want to swim, I'm going to swim faster than anybody's swum before? How, do, how does that belief or that, that the idea even come about to think that you could do something like that? Um, well, I think obviously as you inch closer, you know, I don't, for me personally, it didn't start with, I'm going to be trying to be be the American record holder. Not that it's something you're not thinking about, but it started like for, you know, my sophomore year, Carolyn Joyce was a senior and she had won three years in a row. Mm. So I love Carolyn, but you know, it's competition. And here I am a sophomore. It starts as, well, I want to dethrone her, mm -hmm. you know, and she was swimming right next to the American record at that time of 
I think it was 2168 mm -hmm. and she was going 2171, I think at the time. So then it's like, well, first you just want to, you know, beat the, beat someone mm -hmm. and then that time's close and then you get that time and then it's like, how far can we go? Mm. Let's just keep going. Let's make this record last 10 years, you know? Um, but I think to really be the best um, and maybe different personalities work differently is that you have to really be intrinsically motivated. Um, you can't be someone that compares a lot. You're always kind of sharpening the sword, mm. like where you can take advantage of getting ahead. Um, and just because it, nobody else has done it before. If you want to do what no one else has done, you can't compare yourself with others. So mm. I feel like you have to really be on that journey committed, not alone because you have your support systems, but at the end of the day, you know, it's you up on the block. So I think it's, yeah, I don't know how to describe yeah. it. But no, that's a good way to describe it. I like that. I mean, everything you said made a lot of sense. You broke it down into something that was, fairly simple i mean you just you start with kind of a dream then you, you you attack your competition and then once you surpass them it's like let's see how let's see how good i can get and then like you said you walk in with that attitude every day of i want to get better i want to be the best and when you walk in with that attitude great things can happen because you're coming in with an expectation of holding yourself accountable to doing things every day that you, you may not have done in practice of like all right today i'm going to do something better than i did it yesterday which then over time accumulates into now you're this you know this weapon that has put in an immense amount of work and then when you stand behind the blocks it's just a matter of letting that come out right unleash the beast as rocket used to say unleash the beast oh a rocket okay i'm gonna take that i like it swim angelfish Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. Now listen, um, well, let's go back to then your, your Olympic experiences because uh, 2008 was interesting. And I just want to record this as kind of part of history, but it's most people wouldn't know this, that you uh, break the American record in the prelims and we Tell me about that, first of all, um, because you end up going a little bit slower in semis and finals, but you break the American record in the morning, which I would always advise against because it puts you in a position where uh, there's, there's a huge amount of pressure on you. But you end up finishing third behind uh, Dara Torres and Jessica Hardy and um, and then kind of a whole series of events unfolded after that. But in terms of breaking the American record in the morning, start there and tell me what that experience was like. It was my first trials. Um, I was just of the attitude that I was super stoked to be there. Not, um, you know, I thought I had a good chance of making top eight, um, but long course was something that came later for me. So it was hard to really kind of count myself as one of the big girls, you know, I was still kind of 
like, okay, it's long course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I don't know. I had a, you know, great college season, obviously riding the, that momentum obviously helped going into that summer and then show up at prelims. And it was kind of like that. I have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, no target on my back at that point. And I just really, I think hit the dive and breakout of my life and rode it into the wall. It felt easy. Um, and it was shocking. I didn't, I wasn't aiming for it, but I was excited. I was, you know, racing Dara, um, in prelims right next to each other and touching her out was, you know, as, uh, I was younger at the time and felt like a, you know, just a huge confidence boost and mm. just got really excited. But yeah, I just think I let the horses run and just felt good because there were no expectations. And then, you know, if you make it, you know, back, um, first seed and it, like you said, there's pressure, but that didn't really bother me. I just, I was like, yeah, let's go. I'm ready. I live for this. Really? See, I, I had a very similar experience at a world championships once where everything you said about the prelims kind of happened to me. And I ended up fastest qualifier in the world at the world championships after the prelims. So going into semis, I'm in lane four and I've got all these, you know, people around me that I looked up to kind of like you and and I felt the same way up until the point where I stood behind the blocks. And the moment I stood behind the blocks was the realization of like, oh, wow, I'm the fastest in the world right now. And and I, and I froze like just a slight freeze. It wasn't like a huge freeze, but it was just like a moment of like, you know, like, did you not experience that at the trials? Like just a moment of like, oh, God. Um, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I don't know. I... So prelims, you know, no stress, let's do it, I'm ready. Um, I didn't really feel that in semis, and then I, I qualified fourth in semis, so I was like, I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm still in, I have a lane, I have an opportunity. Mm. Um, I would say probably in the finals, I felt a more like, all right, well, this is it, this is the moment mm. you've been waiting for, this, you can get out of this pool and call yourself an Olympian. Mm or not. <laughs> so, I mean, I tried to never, I try to never go down that path. Um, cause I know it's a slippery slope. Um, and just try to keep it as look what you've accomplished, look where you are, look where you've earned to be like, count yourself in y- you're, you're playing for all the marbles, you know, you're, you're in it. So, you know, just kind of trying to be logical obviously there's you're feeling all sorts of adrenaline and your body feels like it's on fire you're ready to go but i i feel like i was oh i was usually able to stay pretty level headed i think my problem was more like letting myself let it out Mm. um if that makes sense i don't know like i really needed that pressure that stimulation i liked that if there wasn't any sort of stakes on the line, that's when I felt like the racing was the hardest. So there's a lot of nerves, but also that's energy. That's adrenaline. You can use that. Yeah, yeah. What, what you know about sprint is, you know, in a situation like the morning where it felt easy and you don't remember how you did it, and then 
there are other times where you can almost feel every stroke and the lactate spikes at the end of, you know, 35 meters. It just seems like a tougher swim. Um, I'm sure you kind of had a moment like that where, you know, you compare the two and it's like the easy one was so much faster than the one that was a little slower. It was seemed to be a little bit harder. So in terms of sprint, I'm, I'm sure you've learned from those experiences and, and try to give, those experiences to your athletes you can't try harder in sprint you can't do that can you no it's really like a con controlled chaos because in a way you have to be all all out all on the line everything's on the table right. but it can't be forced mm -hmm. you have to kind of yeah it's it's i think especially i mean sprint free too but I think like the sprint, like a 50 fly and a 50 breast, mm. like every time I have an athlete swimming that, I'm like, remember the rhythm, mm. you know, it's, it's such a feel to it. And yeah, there's so many, so many aspects go to it, but it's so inconsistent too, you know, I don't know, I don't know how you felt, but um, in your racing career, I felt like a variety of like, 10 different ways like sometimes you don't feel that good you go great you feel mm. great you don't go good uh i don't know so yeah no i agree with that you're right there are there are some moments where you know especially in season it can so many things that you can feel and a range of things but generally at, at a big meet fully tapered and fully rested i generally felt the same way if if i was trained well and I was prepared, um, you know, I, I could get into a, a very comfortable rhythm of like, all right, I know how to get my best performance in this moment right now. So I think that was pretty, pretty similar, especially because I had, you know, a lot of experience even beyond college. I, I swam for six years. So I know you were the same way in terms of your professional career, just getting more chances to race. And I think being race ready puts you in that scenario. We individualize training in the pool. So why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Barney of Barney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available, so go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. Um, you and I have talked privately about what happened next. You know, you... you um, finished third and missed the Olympic team. And then Jessica Hardy ends up testing positive and, and this whole fiasco of her being pulled off the team, but then they, they don't add you to the team. Have you had a chance to talk about this publicly at all, or is this the first time? Um, yeah, there were some interviews closer to when it happened. Um, but yeah, it's been a long time since I've talked about it. <laughs> How do you feel about it now, looking back? Like, are your feelings the same or have they changed over time? Um, I would say, so obviously it was a once in a lifetime opportunity missed, which, you know, 
to a degree, you can't say, I'm okay with that. Mm. You know, there's definitely what ifs because it's not just, you know, the momentum in your career, which, you know, since you continued, like it's very important. Um, and kind of going through that whole situation was kind of like hitting a, a speed bump. You mm. know, you're, you're dealing with kind of, your emotional, you know, aftermath of it, but also, you know, what, you know, I was finishing my college career, what that could have done as far as money making potential, like all sorts of things of how your life could have been different and had you had that opportunity. Um, in the moment, I brushed it off. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't get bogged down with this right now. I have a senior year to finish. We were the NCAA champions. We wanted to defend our title. And I just kind of was just keep charging through. It wasn't until kind of after everything settled down that it really sunk in and went through a very kind of depressed period of time in my life about it. Um, I think anyone would probably do the same. You know, in our sport, I don't, you can, it's so sad because in our sport, you can be the world record holder. You could win every other thing, but if you don't go to the Olympics, mm. you're, it's, you're no one in the sport. That, and then sadly, that's kind of how it's looked at by definitely people that aren't involved in swimming. Are you an Olympian? No. Mm. Oh, okay. Like, so it's, you know, there's always that. Obviously the people that you work with, you're the coaches, other people, like other coaches, other athletes, your teammates, they, everybody knows who's, you know, really done great things in the sport. But, you know, sometimes it just comes down to Olympian. No. Okay. then, And, you know, especially at like clinics and stuff. So. Yeah. No, listen, I'm, I'm with you. I finished third in 96. <laughs> And I, and I sat there and watched the 96 Olympics and, and I missed it by three one hundredths of a second. And I, and, and uh, then I go on and have this amazing um, collegiate career after that. And then, and then I finally make the Olympic team. And the difference between um, being a non-Olympian who's had an incredible collegiate career, career like I had, and then becoming an Olympian in, in other people's eyes was night and day. Like I, I became a completely different athlete because i made this olympic team and um you know sergio lopez asked me this question the other day uh, on on this app that i'm on called any question but it basically i answered this question where he said you know um is it is it a state of mind is success a state of mind and in, in a way it is like what you think of yourself and your career is is your opinion but the reality of it is is that everybody else has an opinion too. And their state of mind is if you're not an Olympian, somehow you're not a successful athlete of some, it makes no sense to you and I, uh, it's easy for me to sit on this side of it now that I am an Olympian, but I was, I was in your shoes completely. And, and I felt the same way. You know what I mean? I, I was proud of who I was. Yeah. I mean, today, like I really can't look back at my career and say, it wasn't enough. You know, I got to be the American record holder in both 50s meters yards, swam on an amazing team, got to win NCAAs as a team individually on relays. And, 
you know, met some great people, had some great mentors and um, not everything shook out exactly how I would have liked it, but I cannot say I'm not satisfied with and proud of what I accomplished. And to be quite honest, now that I'm coaching a lot of the hard times that I went through, it, it's making me a better coach. If, if my career just went all, you know, perfect, like how could I help or really sympathize and understand what some of my athletes are going through? So in a way, kind of, that's really where I started healing is when I started coaching again is, you know, I'm still contributing to the sport, contributing to other people's lives, passing on, mm -hmm. you know, all the knowledge that I was lucky enough to have from amazing mentors across the board. So I feel really, you know, at peace with it now because I can use it as a tool and help, you know, other people in their journeys, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. that's a good perspective and it's, a, and it's a great way to look at it. And I got to tell you, I, I'm an Olympian and I finished sixth at the Olympics and I was a, on a team with Ian Thorpe, Grant Hackett, Michael Clem. I mean, some of the greatest swimmers in history. And I felt like a complete loser because I finished sixth at the Olympics and didn't win a medal. So it's like, you know, you still get to the next level and there's still ways that you can figure out how to feel like a loser. So don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just the way it is in sport. It's like if you don't win an Olympic medal of some sort, then you haven't had success either. But it's like uh, there, there are so many positives to come from. And like I said, when I looked at you, in the in the pool when you're at your best i mean i saw excellence i saw somebody that was doing something that no one else was doing and uh it's the reason why we're talking today because you were so damn good at what you did so i was a huge fan i still am i even had the chance to coach you for a, a little period of time which was exciting for me and, and a huge honor um i do think that at some point and i'll i'll tell you this i'll tell you this publicly i did feel like you were carrying some baggage of like past experiences so like that was difficult for me to coach you at that point in time as a as a later athlete you know you were, you had stuff that you were bringing into this situation did you notice that at the time or is that something you can reflect on oh yeah definitely um so yeah just kind of back stepping back a little bit one, I appreciate those kind words. It, it means a lot coming from someone like you. Two, you know, I feel like when I was in college, there were two sp sprint programs. There was you and there was us. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it's you can't help but to be curious. What are they doing on the other side? And I always kind of was curious about coming to swim with you. And I was super excited about the opportunity to come in. I think it was, what, 2015? No, 2014 to 2015. I don't know. Years. I don't Once you get to be 35, you're like, what year was that? Yeah, I'm not um, But no, definitely, I was dealing with a lot of stuff personally. I had, um, so my, in my personal, like my father had mm. passed and mm -hmm. just the whole fiasco of the Olympics and kind of other, you know, swim career stuff kind of not going as planned and you know I think I was just trying to barrel through and and make it happen without addressing problems that probably need to be addressed and mm -hmm. um e even through all that I really enjoyed swimming at Auburn with you it was 
it was fun our little pro group um and like seeing like i really enjoyed your podcast you did with michelle and bruno after because kind of you know got to see them mm. and you guys mm. working together and then to see it finally play off but yeah definitely not an easy part of my life in those years and um but i did learn a lot and i think um anyone that's you know dealt with those kind of things um kind of the disappointment of the swim career i think any athlete especially you know you swam after college as well when you do hang up this suit or you know you're getting toward the end you're kind of like well who am i yeah <laughs> you know because so much of your confidence and you're who you are is tied up in being an elite athlete and you can't do that forever and then still kind of dealing with my dad's death so i mean and everybody has stuff that happens in their lives so um. yeah yeah i was going to say that now as a coach you know when when i think of my experience with you i was so honored and i felt so privileged to you know be able to coach somebody that i really admired and then when i came, when you came in and I wasn't able to help you the way I wanted to help you because of, uh, you know, whatever the restrictions were, you know, like I said, I felt like there was some baggage there that, that maybe got in the way, but I couldn't figure out a way to get into that either. Like, and, and so what I'm saying to you now as a coach, when you see somebody that has their own struggles or their own disappointments or even their own kind of expectations of the way they think a season should go and it doesn't end up going that way, how do you then um, as a coach, you know, what part of it is yours? What part of it is theirs? What part of it is a shared experience? You know what I'm saying? Like you have that evaluation of a, as a coach of like, man, I, I really feel like I disappointed that person, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think good coaches do kind of, you know, feel responsible to a degree. Um, that was not the case with us. So you can let go of <laughs> any of that that you've been feeling. But um i think the important thing is and everybody's different as you know but it's just to try to really hear them mm. um because you can also kind of evaluate um you know sometimes they just need to be heard and then sometimes through listening to what they have to say like some people don't know they are where they are like i would say when i was swimming with you i knew i was in a bad spot but i wasn't looking in the right places to fix it um like i was looking externally to fix things and i really just needed to look at myself yeah. and mm -hmm. that's the hardest thing for a lot like people to do you know and it's kind of hard as a coach to be like not that you're blaming them but it's like you need to look inside and um kind of own it you know yeah. it's i don't know if that sound that sounds really harsh now that i'm saying it but i what i'm trying to say is i wasn't in a place of acceptance to be able to move forward right. so i think that's the first step is just helping them and open that door um and sometimes you can't you know i know i wasn't ready i kind of had to do it on my own that's something i don't think you could have done yeah. for me but i don't know it's 
difficult. <laughs> Coaching is yeah. not an easy job. Coaching is difficult. Yeah, it is. It is difficult. But it sounds like you have uh, an acute understanding and a passion, a compassion for what you're doing and the athletes that you're working with. So that's part of my next pitch here then. So like, as we wrap this up, why, why swim for Arizona? Why come and swim at your program? What is it about Arizona now that uh, you feel like is a great place for, for kids to come and swim? Well, as I said before, um, it's so much more than just the university. Um, not just me, but, you know, several alum I talked to, Arizona, the city, is very special. Um, there's just this kind of local feel, lots of local art, local restaurants that, you know, Tucson way of, of living and doing things that I've really bought into. And I know a lot of other people and you miss that, you know, the people are nice, friendly, um, you know, you know, go to the same places and people know your name. Um, the university is beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. Shoot, they've expanded so much, even just since I left, uh, like about a decade ago. Um, beautiful brick buildings, the, the cactus. It's a region in the world, only region in the world where saguaros grow. So it's very special. You can mm. only find them here. Wow. Um, but also just the, the program. This is the program I love. And you know, even when I left, I was always a wildcat. Um, to accomplish what we accomplished as a team when I was there, you really had to buy into, you know, the greater good of the team and you sacrifice for the team and you're you're doing it for that. And I think that they did such a good job of doing that to us that it never died out in me. So, you know, I've always been passionate about this program. Um, you know, Augie was here before too. There's a lot of history here. Um, and I really, this year it's been, you know, COVID was a rough year for a lot of programs and it's nice to see not just Arizona, but seeing them come out into normal and be able to train and, and compete and be a team, which is what's always set this team or, uh, yeah, this program out mm -hmm. from others is I really love, you know, we would always say, honor your team with your effort, mm -hmm. um, which is a, I love that, um, you know, it's about being selfless. Um, and now our, you know, our saying is team over self. And that is something that, you know, the team culture is very important to us. And um, that's to, as an athlete coming in, it was because of that team support system, I was able to flourish and become what I became. So, you know, it's nice to see that that's carried through. Um, we're in a building stage. It's not the 2008 Wildcats, but that's exactly why I'm here. I want to get in on the ground level. Um, you know, we have a great group of girls and guys. We're going to PAX. Um, can't wait for that. Our women came back, had some great swims, you know, very, very much improved from last year. And we're just going up and mm. love this staff, you know, very good team. Well, I can tell you this, if I was a young swimmer again, whether it be male or female, um, but if I was looking for a coach that I could connect with who had an understanding, if I was a young sprinter, um, I'd want somebody who had been there and done that, who had had success at the highest level, 
and the people that you've been mentored by and the programs that you've been in and the experiences that you've had, there's no one better uh, in the NCAA as far as um, somebody that I think can have a deep understanding of sprint and how to get people to swim fast. So I would definitely sign up and come swim for you in, in a, you know, 10 out of 10 times. So um, I wish you all the best. I appreciate you doing this for us and, uh, and good luck with everything. All right. Thanks, Fred. Really appreciate everything. And it's been an honor to be on. So thanks for everything. Yep. Thanks for sharing your experiences. Lara, take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. It's called Swim Nerd Live, and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device. There are so many things you can do with this software. A very simple and easy to use necessity for any team or facility that is live streaming their meets results. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more.